from Lo-Fi Arts, this is Refigure with Chris and Reefa. A weekly dive into the arts, culture, tech and diversity. Welcome to Refigure. My name is Christopher. And I'm Reefa. You look really cute with a towel on your head. It's very nice. Don't tell everyone I'm in my pyjamas. Well, they might have guessed. What are we talking about today? On this week's episode of Refigure, we went to the cinema to see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I know it came out at the end of last year, but it's still in the cinemas. And we went to see it partly because Reefer organised the Story Conference in London at Conway Hall this week. And one of the speakers was the production designer of that film, Justin K. Thompson. So we'll talk a bit about the film and about his talk. We also binge-watched The Dragon Prince on Netflix. We also went on a kind of independent magazine hunt for what you're reading for this week. So we'll talk about that. Your hand is on your face. That's all right. like this. Uh, it's, it's not making any difference audio-wise. Um, <laughs> so we were a bit late to the party with Spider-Verse, weren't we? Because the main film run of Spider-Verse is, I guess, done because it came out at uh, the very end of last year. It's still popping up in cinemas. I think people are surprised how amazing it is, and so it's kind of getting that long post-release life, maybe. But it also won a BAFTA, and then it, now it's won an Oscar, so it's probably going to have another little run. Also, probably because of the half-term. Spider-Man swings in once a day, zip-zaps up in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know that. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I, I want to hear it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. If you haven't cottoned on to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse yet, and you do get a chance to see it in the cinema, you should definitely go. I think you'd agree with that, wouldn't you, Reef? So I was trying to explain the story to somebody. I would attempt to do that now. The classic Spider-Man story. A young person gets bitten by a radioactive spider and becomes Spider-Man and has to deal with all those things. Except it's the idea that there are multiple universes and multiple spider people who all have had a similar uh, thing happen to them and become a spider person. And yet what happens if all of those spider people converge into the same universe and what they become is a is a gang in themselves a little bit like uh, i don't know all the other characters in all the uh, marvel comics all get together for justice league or whatever i don't know is that something else anyway i'm a bit of a novice of the marvel comic stuff but i've got hooked it was started with black panther then it was guardians of the galaxy then it was thor ragnarok <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> anyway, and now I'm watching all of them all backwards and all back upside down and back to front, but it doesn't matter because it's a right fun thing to watch. It's basically, we watched um, Justin K. Thompson was um, one of the speakers at the Story Conference, which has been going for 10 years. It's uh, the brainchild of Matt Locke, who's based in Brighton. And he used to work at Channel 4 and BBC, and he's got this amazing contact book 
of people who he can draw upon. And over the years, he's created this space where creative people can come along and like they're given like 20 minutes to talk about the process behind their creative projects. So this particular lineup was pretty strong and I came away really buzzy. And being a host is um, something that I do for She Says, but that's usually just like two hours, once or twice a year. So I had to like be looking after the tech and be looking after the speakers and be on the whole day. So it's quite a tiring, but there was also a lot of adrenaline going on. I agree with you that the story conference... I mean, we're log rolling slightly because you obviously were involved in organising it in quite a major degree. What does log rolling mean? Hmm? Like bigging up your mates. But um, like going into it, I hadn't been to a story before, but a lot of people in Brighton talk about it quite a lot. It is quite highly rated. However, what I mainly took away from people's comments before is that it was usually quite chaotic and a bit late and maybe a kind of mixed bag of a conference. So I had quite medium expectations going in and we'd not really talked about you know, many of the details. All I really knew was that you had Joel Morris and Jason Hazley closing the show, who are the brilliant writers of Philomena Kunk and the Ladybird Books for Grown Ups. And those guys, I know them anyway, so it was kind of... I was looking forward to seeing them anyway. And then I was really pleasantly, more than pleasantly surprised. I was blown away by the sheer quality of the curation throughout. Not only how many of the speakers were really excellent and fascinating and emotional and just, they were very high quality speakers, but also what Matlock's done is he, he's built a kind of a flow into the curation of these speakers through the day. It was quite a packed day as well, like it really flew by. I came away very satisfied by it and felt very rewarded by sitting there listening to these people because of the connections between the different talks and some of the kind of common points which seemed almost impossible that he could have planned but he definitely did plan some of it that you would find a small detail in someone's talk would then connect forward to a really interesting detail in someone else's talk so yeah I was very impressed and that's being neutral and not not I'm not on the payroll we did run to time. Yeah, you ran totally to time. And also the food and drink that was served was really nice because I remember people moaning about it in the past and I thought, oh, there's tea and coffee and chocolate biscuits and it was all really lovely and friendly. And also, so I'm a bit of a coffee snob, so I had some free coffee and then I thought, oh, I better go and get a proper posh coffee. So I went to some nearby cafe to buy a, a, what I thought would be a better coffee and that was horrible and the coffee that was free in the in the conference was actually perfectly nice that was me told I thought it's all about the biscuits for us isn't it at a conference I will judge any meeting or any event on the quality of the biscuits and they had damn good biscuits or you did did, they? did you organize I, the biscuits they've got ca- honestly mate we've talked too much about biscuits somebody who did actually I can't remember who was on our Facebook said, when are we going to do more biscuit reviews? Oh. Because it's very important for some people, some of our audience. Well, at the story conference, they had those chocolate wafer finger biscuits, the square, square rectangular ones. And they also had shortbread covered in chocolate. And a few others, and basically there was, was a selection. Quite, it was quite a posh for selection. Three hundred people. Wow! And it never ran out either. It was like wow. It was really good. Yeah. I had no idea. I did. I did. Did you get, not even know what? I I ordered it, mate, but <laughs> I didn't sample the goods. Uh, fair play, I did. 
Anyway. You, you had cups of tea, though, and they had... No, I didn't have... Yeah, I got you two or three cups oh, of, like... Right. But it was not normal tea. It was like they had all your hippie-doobie teas. You had peppermint, peppermint tea. Peppermint tea is not hippie. No, but you right. had peppermint Okay, coming back to... Um, what did you like about Spider-Verse, Chris? Okay, coming back to Spider-Verse, I thought it was visually like nothing I'd ever seen. It flew by. It was fun, funny, exciting... And best of all, the characters were beautifully written. You really cared about the characters. Having a young African-American Latino boy as a Spider-Man was... I mean, that's great in and of itself. But did you notice he didn't come from a broken home? Like, he had his parents alive. And when normally a lot of superhero tropes, they come from a broken home. And that's part of the trauma of what makes them... His actual life wasn't that bad. He had loving parents. His dad's a cop. A fairly normal life where there wasn't kind of this deep embittered trauma and then the big trauma was becoming the spider-man was like getting bit and suddenly having powers it was really annoying for him it got right in the way of his life which was that was great lily tomlin pops up she plays aunt may in it and aunt may exists in it as aunt may because peter parker does exist in the film he's just an older slightly more kind of jaded spider-man and so aunt may's there and she's brilliant and she always is and it was really funny because uh i was talking to justin k thompson and said oh it's really nice because we've just been watching we binged grace and frankie the tv show with jane fonda and lily tomlin playing kind of an odd couple type relationship and he said that was one of the reasons they cast her was that her voice as frankie in grace and frankie is one of the reasons they cast her in Spider-Man. That's brilliant. Yeah. I must say, this is why we haven't got that much to talk about or for what we've watched, because we've been watching Grace and Frankie, which reminds me of like sitting up every Friday night when I was a kid with my mum and my sister watching The Golden Girls, because you don't see older women very often doing comedy. And um, I much prefer the two characters, the women, than I do the gay husbands in it. That sort of annoys me. Well, I, I wonder if we're meant to, though. I think that is part of the point, is that the the main characters are the two women. Mm. And they do devote a lot of time to their family. I mean, we're not even supposed to be talking about this. But... No, but that's what we've been... We're, like, going, mm, what have we been doing this for the last couple of weeks? Oh, watching that. We also watched the second season of Dragon Prince <gasps> on Netflix. Yay! So this is like an animation special now. We should talk about that as our other topic. Okay, let's talk about that. There are reports of shadows in the clouds. Dragons flying high above the towns of Catullus. And Sunfire Elves are gathering near the border. An invasion is imminent. We must be prepared to fight. Our top priority must be finding the princes. Dark forces are pursuing you. Nobody likes dark forces. This animation series is for fans, really, of Avatar, The Last Airbender, if you like the animation series, or Legend of Korra. Kind of Studio Ghibli stuff as well. Yeah, Studio Ghibli stuff like... Intelligent, nuanced... Spirited Away or any of those except again it's got good diversity in there the characters are a bit more nuanced because you're not got um... anyway I'll tell you what the story is so there's a massive war going on in this kingdom and it's quite serious where you've got the elves 
who are helping the dragons, but they're at war with all the humans. And most of the people in this land have got, or creatures, have got special powers. They've all got magic and they're born with magic. Whereas the humans are quite dis, um, what's the word? They're disappointed is that the fact that they don't have any magic powers. So they've harnessed the power of um, dark magic by squeezing literally the lifeblood out of ma magical creatures, everything from worms to like dragons, squeezing it out and creating um, havoc basically. So a couple of princes, they have to escape and they've got this treasure with them which they've got to fend off a bunch of people coming. There's some brilliant characters in it. One of the aunts, the aunt of the boy is a deaf character who signs. You've got a black king and uh, his white wife. Nobody mentions the fact that he's black at all, which is great, except me, obviously, just now. The characters as children are growing up really fast and there's death and there's moral dilemmas and one of them can speak to animals and it's all about nature so there is quite a, a lot of ghibli stuff in there there's some teens in it who kind of want to do the right thing but they're also a little bit evil which is really fun so there's a bit teenage witch stuff in it anyway it's a really good thing for those of you who like to hang out with your uh, teens or preteens to watch something this is a really good one i think for all genders and all ages in the same way that the reboot of She-Ra is really woke and really thoughtful about young people making their way in the world and also does that lovely thing that Ghibli did that Hollywood hasn't done traditionally, which is that characters can be good and evil. It isn't all black and white. It isn't all fire and ice. People are nuanced and good people do bad things and make mistakes and bad people can do good things. That fits into the Avatar model and the Legend of Korra model as well. So in fact, Dragon Prince has had two seasons. They only launched in October. So the first season was last autumn and we watched that. And then the second season has just gone up on Netflix. And it's co-created by Aaron Ehaz and Justin Richmond. And Ehaz was the head writer of Avatar The Last Airbender, the animated series. And he also was a long-time writer and story editor on Futurama. And the uh. thing is, we recently watched another animated series... Was that from Matt Groening or that was from someone to do yes. with that? And it was rubbish. Yes, we and talked got, about that. And Yeah, and it was snarky and horrible and didn't get it right. Whereas this one, which comes from kind of... I know this is a weird word to use, but it comes from quite a, a wholesome place. It's a wholesome place. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that they're doing all this complex morality stuff with humans and magic and fighting and whether one's supposed to kill or not kill and all of that stuff. Plus dragons. Plus it's got dragons in it. Overall, would you recommend The Dragon Prince? Yes. I would recommend it to people who like dragons and kings and swords and magic and that sort of paraphernalia. Some people, I don't know who they are, but some people I've discovered aren't really into fantasy stuff or comics. Somebody I met the other day told me that him and his girlfriend went to see Black Panther and fell asleep in the middle of it. And I'm like, you missed the rhinoceros. That's really poor, isn't it? It's poor. It's just poor. Enough said. <laughs> um, Disappointing. It did make me think halfway through Dragon Prince quite how far and long the resonance of Buffy has gone. The language of young people placed into fantasy or sci-fi scenarios is really interesting it was reinvented completely by Buffy 
and that has still lasted to this day. So in so many of the shows we watch now that have a fantasy element, yet what they are really is teenage coming-of-age shows about the moral and ethical dilemmas and just the kind of headfuck of being a teenager, that language is still the language that was reinvented by Buffy, I think. What are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you reading for, Chris? We went to one of Brighton's trendy magazine shops that sells... There's only one, mate. Oh, there's only one. <laughs> we went to a magazine Actually, shop. Actually, some, some... There's this new stationery shop and they've got a few magazines. Castor and Pollock's down on the seafront. They also stock a few magazines, but they're not magazine. So is it called magazine? It's on Trafalgar Street in Brighton. We've been a bit like, magazines... Who reads magazines? I'm so ignorant about this. I gave myself a budget of 20 quid and I thought, oh, I'll maybe buy four or five magazines yeah. for I 20 said, quid. And what did, it's not a comic book shop. <laughs> I bought two. <laughs> I ran out of money. I'm kind of annoyed with myself because my choices were quite vanilla and quite mainstream. And I thought I would walk in there and just buy something really crazy and edgy. And what happened was I so struggled not to be frightened off the edgy stuff I ended up getting some sort of almanacky thing called the forecast, which is from Monocle. So that's not exactly independent. That's it's got just Chanel on a small watch got, on the back. Yeah, it's got just it's not in any way an edgy thing. And then I the what other would it, what would have been edgy? Positive news or one of those eco friendly ones? Because I think what happened was for me, I had to like think right, what is it I'm interested in today? And when I wanted to see something that was maybe a bit arty and a bit fashiony, but there was also the crafty magazines like flow were calling to me because they got stickers in but then i realized no what i really want was was something that was feminist and something that i couldn't get anywhere else i got this magazine called womankind which is published in australia and it's really good um editorial but it's an art based magazine it's quarterly uh, this issue is it's like a cuban special and it's got amazing art in it surreal stuff from this um, woman called Daria Petrilli articles about history there's quotes in it but it's a, kind of a highbrow magazine like it's even when it's talking about um, some sort of self-help stuff at the front they talk about the five whys and the five whys are like why do you want to study a PhD why do you want to go back to study why do you want to force yourself to learn and I just found it really interesting and I got the Flying Lotus issue of Huck magazine. Flying Lotus... That's being, really hipster. He's super hipster. And I do like Flying Lotus. If you don't know him, he's a, he's a beats-making composer and jazz-tinged electronic musician. He's fantastic. In 2017, we saw him play to 50,000 people in a park in Berlin, and he was really good. And they've given him a kind of takeover of this Huck magazine, which is, OK, it looks great. But it's not in any way some sort of edgy magazine. It's just another way. It's just what a were men's you interested mag. I really was interested in Flying Lotus himself. But no, I meant when you went into the magazine shop, what did you feel like you wanted to know more about? Because for me, online, I follow a lot of stuff like bitch media I can't get in the UK. I probably could if I paid loads of money for the subscription. But a lot of the stuff that I follow online is like women's issues and the Women's March. I follow Women You Should Know, A Mighty Girl, stuff that I need to know about, but I kind of skim it because people are just sharing stuff. But to have like an in-depth magazine, when I get the Tate Quarterly, there are in-depth articles in there 
that are about art that I ne necessarily know about, if you know what I mean. It needed to be something that I couldn't get anywhere else and it needed to be editorially a higher level than anything else that I, that I could get, like these zines that are basically not proofed and are gibberish, some of them. I think I was looking for something travel writing oriented, maybe like a print equivalent of Roads and Kingdoms or something food and travel oriented, kind of like with the politics of New Internationalist magazine and the voice of someone like Anthony Bourdain or Sami Nosrat or those sort of people like travelling Maybe this is the magazine, maybe this woman kind is for you it because it's be. a real beautiful thing Yeah, and they didn't have those sort of magazines in there, or they did but I got frightened off I don't know why, I've got to think about it Because a bit more. it's a bit of a commitment isn't it to yeah. spend, what did I spend? I spent five ninety nine on this magazine See, that's not even expensive compared to this one What I'm excited about this is because I'm sure many of our listeners already know about this magazine, but it's new to me and I wasn't even following them and I hadn't even come across it before. And that's fun, isn't it? Yeah, you struck gold. That's definitely good. People moan and say there's not much culture in Australia. I'll tell you what, they're, they're I've never, wet. I've literally never heard someone People say there's say not that. much culture in Australia. I've never heard anyone say that. Oh, They've not, got Melbourne Arts Festival. Not as much as London. That's remember when people uh, go, oh, I don't want to move to Australia because it's not culturally, it's a cultural okay. desert. I've not heard anyone say that ever. Oh. I mean, I'm not saying they don't. I'm anyway, sure. it's a Cuban special. How much great. more global do you want to get? Plus, it's like radical because it's about politics. Yeah, I'm gonna say I was really disappointed by this Huck magazine. <laughs> no shit. There's a big interview with Flying Lotus. That's the cover piece of the magazine, and he's sort of taking over the magazine. But the interview is really top line yeah. and it's like question, short answer, question, short answer, dotting around his career and life, but with no real conversational depth. Yeah. And the whole magazine feels like that. It feels quite top line. It feels like not particularly well written. And my theory is, I wonder if I've been spoiled for interviews by audio podcasts. Because if you had a conversation with Flying Lotus in a done by a decent interviewer on a podcast and they talked for like 45 minutes you'd get far more information than you get in this like six page magazine interview do you know what i mean of course i understand what you mean it's what i've just been saying is like there's, there's just a load of stuff out there in the world that isn't proper journalism you can't even read it because they don't care about the readers they just want something that looks fun so next week we'll be talking about um like who's fact checking me you do do tend to make your laugh <laughs> the end Oh, and that's that. That's your lot. Thank you very much for listening. Have you got anything to plug this week, Reefa? 8th of March, International Women's Day. Come and celebrate with us at the She Says Brighton event at Salis Benny. Sign up because you have to give at least a pound donation to get in. But it's free wine and booze. But the main attraction is five amazing speakers. We're going to talk about all sorts of topics, including art and music and collaboration. It's going to be amazing. Um, but also Spring Forward launches on the 4th of March and that goes on throughout the whole of March with so many fun events. Spring Forward is in Brighton in the United Kingdom. Find out more about 21 events we've got on there, you know, www.wespringforward.com. And the events are free. It's been lovely talking to you. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash refigurepod. That's facebook.com slash refigurepod. But we're all over on your Instagram, which is refigureuk. 
we, meaning my audience, who just tunes in to hear me talk, we're all over on Insta, innit? Yeah, what's the Insta address then? Refigure UK. Nice. Nice. Don't fly up.